Hey friends, my name is Becky Kopitsky, and this is the Inspired Business Podcast, where we talk all about how to earn a God-honoring income from your creative work so that you can serve more people in less time and sustain your message financially. In this show, you'll discover smart and biblically sound strategies for growing your reach, promoting your content, honing your craft, and building a business that's based on your top priorities of family and faith. Together, we're going to boost your influence and your income so you can keep changing the world one conversation at a time. I am so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. This is Becky Kopitsky, and you are listening to the Inspired Business Podcast. And before we get too far into talking about can Christians make money, let's talk about spending money, can we? (laughs) Because this week in the Kopitsky household, We started braces again. This is the second phase of orthodontics for my second daughter, my 12-year-old. And we've been through the same process for my older daughter. So in total, this is the fourth, and we hope the final round of braces for the Kapitsky family. And all the mothers groan in unison, right? (laughs) Braces, they're not cheap. I do not like writing big checks for anything that's not happy. Vacations, great. New kitchen countertops, yes, I will pay for that happily. Even investing in coaching for my business or my personal development, that is a happy expense. But metal mouth wires that make my daughter grumpy, you know, that is not a happy purchase. So my sweet girl is in the early phase where it hurts to eat anything. And she really does not want these braces. And I wish that she didn't need them, but she does. So while the braces are not a happy expense, they are a worthwhile expense. And we all have those types of expenses in our households and in our family, right? It's the mortgage. It's the electric bill. You know, doctor visits, whatever it is. Not happy, but necessary. Life just costs money. And that's part of why we need and appreciate God's financial provision, because he's placed us on this earth where we live in an economy of dollars and cents. That's just part of life. And the same applies to our businesses, to our creative work. No matter how long you've been writing or speaking or podcasting or coaching or whatever type of content ministry that you do, you have most likely come across some expenses that are related to your ministry, your creative work. If you have a blog, then you know website hosting and plugins, they can cost money. If you're growing an audience, email platforms cost money. The computer or the, or the mobile device that you're listening from right now, that costs money. And the further we get into our creative content careers, the more those expenses rise. Marketing and technology, training, hiring expert help or subcontractors, even just the office supplies, the ink in the printer, all of this adds up. And it can start to drain the family bank account. And then when that happens, it causes resentment, right? Rather than rejoicing for those of us who are in this entrepreneur space. And the risk then when that happens, when we start feeling that financial resentment, the risk then is burnout. You know, just giving up altogether. When Christian content creators give up because of the burden of expenses and no returns on their time, then sadly, Tragically, their voices, these voices which God is called to serve, they are silenced too soon. And then the world misses out. One of the ways we can prevent this ugly cycle is by finding honorable, 
strategies to earn an income from our content. Income can help keep our work afloat so we can continue doing this work that God called us to do, and we can do it well. We can do it to the best of our ability, and we can serve our audience as well. And in some cases, that income can grow to the point where the work that we love to do, writing, speaking, creating, serving others, it can actually become our primary jobs. And that's the goal for many of us. Many of you listening are already in that spot. You're working full-time on your content creation. Some of you are working toward the ability to do that. The truth is that content creation, content-based businesses, it can sustain families. I'm living proof of that. Lots of you listening are living proof of that. But in order for it to happen, there needs to be a shift. A shift from thinking of your work as a hobby or a free ministry to thinking of it like a business. And that starts not in a spreadsheet or a calculator or a 50-page business plan, but it starts in our heads and in our hearts. So I am here to get real with you in this episode today. We are going to talk about how to run your ministry-based work like a business so that it can remain sustainable. And it all starts with this question. How should we think about money? In other words, what is your money mindset? Now, I'm not a big fan of that term mindset because I think it's overused and it's even abused by some business coaches who'll talk about mindset work by purporting the idea that if you think it, you can achieve it. I prefer to think of mindset training in this way. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is mindset training. Romans 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So for the Christian, our mindset has to be aligned with God's truths, not with whatever ideas simply sound good or convenient or tempting to us. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Have you heard from those teachers? Do you know what I'm talking about? My goal here at The Inspired Business is to not be one of those teachers. Our purpose is to equip and guide you to good stewardship of your gifts according to sound doctrine. Bible truth. And we know that the Bible tells us a lot about the dangers of money, or more specifically, the dangers of the love of money. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, so it's the love of money that is the danger, not the money itself. That's just a tool, right? So, And also, we're humans. So we're going to struggle to our dying day with separating stewardship or management of money with the love of money. Okay, we, we're going to fall prey to greed and look at that new boat we can buy or whatever. We're going to struggle with that. But my point is we need to always draw it back, take every thought captive, align our truth with God's truth. 
So even though we're going to have that struggle, I am going to assume for this conversation today that none of us actually intends or desires to choose money over God. That is not our heart. That's not what we're trying to do. The sin nature is always going to battle, but our heart's desire is really to honor God. And because of that, because we're so aware of the danger, the fear of tripping the threshold to loving money, we as Christians have a tendency to see money as the enemy, don't we? Like we're not supposed to seek it or desire it or to complicate our work with it, as if money somehow makes our ministries impure. So here's what we need to do with our mindset work. This is where it needs to happen. I want to present a biblical view of making money. A couple of points. First of all, people should get paid for their work. That's what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 5.18, for scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Now, our work as content creators, Christian content creators, it happens to be tied to the gospel. Many of us are writing devotions, we're writing Bible studies, we're writing Christian lifestyle books and blogs and and conveying podcasts that have to do with elements of prayer and faith. And there are people who don't believe that ministry should ever be treated as a business, and they're going to say that we should never charge for anything done in service to God, or more specifically, for anything we do to share God or the gospel. And they're going to cite this verse, 2 Corinthians 2.17. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. That part, that part where it said, peddle the word of God for profit. That sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? That sounds scary. So what is it saying? What does that mean for those of us who's writing or podcasting or speaking or teaching or coaching is largely focused on the gospel in some shape or form. Does that mean we are not supposed to earn money from our work? Well, thankfully, we know from the full counsel of scripture and from the background behind that very verse in 2 Corinthians that this verse is not to be interpreted as a rule against earning money in a ministry or a faith-based arena, faith-based messaging. In context here, Paul was addressing a particular church. It was a church that he had established. And this church was being led astray by smooth talkers and false teachers, people who were jumping on the gospel bandwagon for show, but whose hearts weren't really with Jesus. And many of these false teachers were charging people to attend their presentations. So when I researched some commentaries on this passage, which, by the way, somebody got paid to write. Somebody got paid to write those commentaries. You know, I don't know many theologians who will write and publish their commentaries for free or their books. Anyway, when I was researching this, I discovered one writer who explained 2 Corinthians 2.17 like this. Paul has described Christians, this is quoting now, Paul has described Christians as the aroma of Christ. As God leads us through our lives, we carry Christ to everyone we contact, Christians and unbelievers alike. Whether we know it or not, and whether we intend to or not, we're influencing others in some way when it comes to their perception of Jesus. What a privilege this is. Who is qualified to represent Christ in this way? Paul answers that question in this verse. The short answer is this. Only actual Christians are qualified to represent Christ. False teachers and fake Christians had moved in among the true believers in many places. Back in these Bible days is what this commentary is saying. Paul described some of them as peddlers of God's word, 
meaning those pretending to be spiritual merely so they could profit from teaching about God. Perhaps some in Corinth had accused Paul of being one of those false apostles. The commentary goes on to say, Paul declares that he and his co-workers are not this, not peddlers of God's word. Instead, they are honest men sent out by God. They speak in Christ and they speak in the sight of God. Their message is trustworthy because it comes from God who sent them. Okay, that was the commentary. If you are an authentic Christian, if you have surrendered to the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, your intention is to share Christ with other people, then you do not fall into the category of a gospel peddler. You do have a huge responsibility to wield the word of God accurately and with grace and love. I do, you do, we all do. That's really important. But even Jesus received offerings of support from his followers. Have you thought about that? Luke 8, 1 through 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, the twelve disciples, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Are we all picturing um, the chosen right now? <laughs> Such a great series. Anyway, okay, sorry, I interrupted God's word. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. That's scripture. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Now, here's the ironic part about the fact that scripture says Jesus and his disciples received financial support or provision. Remember, we're talking about Jesus, God in the flesh. He could have created money and food out of thin air. And sometimes he did, right? Remember the story of the fishes and the loaves or the water turned to wine? Yet Jesus still accepted support. And from women, by the way. So be confident that earning provision from your faith-based content in a manner that honors God is not prohibited by Scripture. In fact, this brings me to my second point of our biblical money mindset. What does Scripture say about it? God honors wise investments. Okay, so in the parable of the talents, the guy who stowed away his portion and didn't attempt to multiply it was the only one who was criticized by the master. The others who had multiplied their portion, they invested it, they were commended. They were commended for making more. Now, you can argue that that parable refers not only to our money, but also to our time, our skills, our willingness to share the gospel, which is true. And as Christian communicators, that is what we are committed to doing every day. But the principle here also supports the idea of wise investment, which is made clear in other parts of Scripture, too, especially my favorite, Proverbs 31, verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. Verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Notice it doesn't say she makes a product and gives it away for free. She does not. She sells it. And in fact, Proverbs 11.26, one of my favorites, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell not the one who is willing to give it all away for free, but the one who is willing to sell. 
Commerce is not evil. Profits are not the enemy. Even if you've never considered your creative work to be a business, even if you've only ever thought about it like a ministry, running it like a business is not only permitted, but admirable and honorable and wise, as long as you run it honestly and with integrity. Now, inherently, we know this, right? Because nobody expects the church pastor to go without a paycheck. Entire industries are built around promoting the gospel. We're talking about the Christian book industry, which many of us are involved in, the Christian music industry, the Christian movie industry, Christian products industry. I mean, you wouldn't walk into Hobby Lobby and expect to find that every resin cross in the home decor section was listed for free. I mean, on a good day, you're hoping it's the 50% off special, but even then, it's not going to be free. Just because our work is done for the Lord, through the Lord, alongside the Lord, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't get paid for it. Because, now hear me on this, all work is done for the Lord. Or it should be, whether you call it a ministry or not. I have been called, you have probably been called to write books in particular, or to speak for conferences in a faith-based industry. You and I have been called to do our work inside a faith-based industry. But the person who's called to work as an accountant or a doctor or a middle school teacher or a night shift manager at the grocery store, whatever, these people as believers are also doing their work for the Lord. Just because we don't put the Christian label on it doesn't mean that all believers are not still required to work as though working for the Lord. And that grocery store manager, nobody expects him or her to work for free. You know, my friend Brett Harris is the author of Do Hard Things. He has this wonderful author conservatory for young people. Just fantastic content creator and steward. Excellent writing coach. He told me I could strip Jesus out of my business and still teach people what I know. But I don't want to strip Jesus out of it. He's the center of my life. Why would I separate him from my work? And that struck me so hard because I could do the same. I could strip Jesus out of my work of teaching people about digital products and sales funnels. There are plenty of people out there doing it in a secular manner where they're not tied to Jesus. They're not talking about Jesus. Um, Even if they are Christians, they may not be talking about Jesus. But I don't want to take him out of it because he's such a huge part of all, uh, all of my day, the way I think, the way I operate. and. If that's your heart, then that's why I want to work with you. Because together we can make Jesus openly a a center of our businesses. We could slice him out of it and still run the business and nobody would criticize us for making money from that. But why, as soon as we enter Jesus into the picture, we speak his name, why then do people presume there should be no money attached? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. So the bottom line here is this. You can have the most passionate, Jesus-focused ministry in the world. But if you can't afford to keep running it, we all lose. You have to be able to cover your expenses at a minimum. And God has empowered us with brains and skills to discover how to do that. So I know This might be a new concept for some of you, and you might have doubts or feel resistant to the idea, and that is okay. 
that can be a healthy sign that you really truly do want to follow God and not money. You don't want to follow false teaching. So embrace that. Embrace those doubts and then do your research. Search the Bible for yourself to discover what it says about commerce. I want to encourage you that serving like a ministry but operating like a business doesn't mean the message changes or that your heart is selfish or that you are compromising. What it does mean is that you're stewarding the message and the real costs associated with stewarding that message. You're stewarding that with business practices so that you can keep walking out the calling on your life. You can still be gracious in your business, but treat your message and yourself and those you serve with respect and wisdom as you handle your business in God-honoring ways, taking care of your most important people in the process. Amen to that. So, all right, now we've established why it's a good idea to get paid. So let's talk about how. How? Here are a couple of points. How can you run your business? How can you run your ministry? If you call it a ministry, how can you run it like a business and start generating financial returns on your effort? Or how can you grow your efforts in that area if you have been trying and it's not been working out? So my coaching business, The Inspired Business, is focused on how to earn recurring income from digital products. That's my sweet spot. And it's where it's where I shine. And it's just one of the ways that you can earn income from your work. If you want to get some training on all the other ways too, then grab a copy of our Inspired Business Guide bundle. Go to theinspiredbusiness.co slash guides for all the step-by-step on how you can earn an income from your content. We've got like 20 different strategies for how you can earn it. Um, inside those guides, digital products, that's just one of them. I'm going to have a link to that below in the show notes. But for now, for this episode, I want to focus on the high level change in our approach. We're not talking about the details, you know, how do I earn an income? You can get that in the guide. But I want to talk about a high level change in our approach. So let's run through three overarching pieces of advice for treating your creative ministry work like a business. Okay. Number one, ask to get paid. Does that sound obvious? Maybe. But it might not come naturally, especially if you've been writing or speaking or giving away content for free up until this point. If you have been and you've built an audience who's accustomed to getting everything from you for free, then don't be surprised if you do get some pushback from people, from your audience when you start charging. That does not mean you're doing something wrong. It just means you have to help teach your community now that this is a new way to interact with you and that it comes with added value, and that you are doing this so that you can continue to offer the free components. Sales and marketing psychology, it suggests that people tend to value something more when they've paid for it. Or I would add, when they've been gifted a valuable scholarship that they know would otherwise cost a lot of money. So choose what you're going to put a price tag on, and then what you're going to keep offering for free. You can still do both, right? If you're going to offer something for free, For example, I still post to my blog for free. I've got two blogs now, actually. One is at beckykopitsky.com. That's my author site. And another at theinspiredbusiness.co. It's got articles that we share for free on our blog, and then we circulate those through Pinterest. So anybody can read and subscribe to those articles without spending a penny. But then I do charge for other things like my downloadable Bible studies, my books, my writer coaching, my digital products program. So there's a way you can interact and and learn and be served for free. And that's our heart, right? But then there's another side where if you want to engage further, then there there is a dollar amount exchanged because that's good stewardship. Now, depending on how experienced you are, maybe like me, you get a lot of people asking if they can pick your brain. 
on writing or publishing or podcasting or getting into the speaking circuit, you know, whatever, whatever is your jam. If you've been doing it a while, probably you've got people asking, can I meet you for coffee? Can I pick your brain? Because you've done it. You're succeeding in it. And you do have insight to offer. But this is another area where you might have to consider starting to ask to get paid. I personally reached a point where I decided that I couldn't give up that time for free anymore. I was asking for, I was getting asked for so many meetings and can we have a Zoom? Can we meet at the coffee shop? I just want to learn what you know about publishing. And I realized I had too much else to do that involved serving my existing or paying audience or more importantly, tending to my family and my church responsibilities. So I no longer had these free chunks of time to give away to people because it would have been taking away from my family and my paying customers because there's always a trade-off when we're asked to spend our time. So what I did is I established a writer coaching arm of my online business and then I expanded that into the inspired business. And now people who want to pick my brain respect that I charge for those consultations because it is my career, it's my vocation. And if they don't, you know, if they don't respect that, then they didn't really want the advice that badly. And they probably wouldn't have valued it enough to be worth my time in the first place. And the same is true for you and your time and your knowledge. And now, does that mean you never offer it up for free? No, of course not. I mean, I still have dear friends who I will gladly meet with as a friend and talk about their goals or, you know, their interest in the industry, if that's where our conversation leads. I'm very happy to do that with people who are actively involved in my life, of course. But if you start getting requests, that might actually be a sign that you've got a business on your hands. You've got a coaching business on your hands. If you've got people crawling out of the woodwork saying, hey, you wrote a book or you've been speaking for these groups and how can I do it? You might have a coaching business on your hands with people already ready and willing to exchange your advice for their dollars. All right, number two, tip number two, the overarching pieces of advice for treating your creative ministry work like a business. Set up a system. Set up a system whereby you separate your personal finances from your business finances. Our Inspired Business Guide to Bookkeeping is an example. It contains simple spreadsheets, templates to help you do that. So I'll include a link in the show notes to that guide. In your life in general, if you've got a system, it's going to be so much easier if you learn to treat your business with financial respect. After more than a decade of filing taxes as an entrepreneur, I can tell you more stories about what not to do than of what to do right when it comes to finances. So please trust me on this. Thankfully, our guide to business bookkeeping was not written by me. It was written by a finance guru, John Purifoy, who is one of my former partners from Ministry to Business, which has now been recreated as the Inspired Business. But back in the day, I had several partners, and John was a finance expert, and he is the one who wrote our guide to business bookkeeping. So if you grab a copy of that, you're going to be in good hands with that guide because it was written by John and not me. <laughs> Also, is in terms of setting up a system, if possible, work, work according to a schedule. A schedule is helpful. Plan ahead for when you're going to spend time developing content or working on marketing or sales activities. Plan ahead for it. In order for your creative work, for your ministry-based business to become successful, to become a sustainable business, you need to treat it like a business. And that means scheduling time for it. Remember, you're the CEO. Nobody else is going to tell you how to run your business or when to run your business. So create time for it in your schedule. And then finally, 
know when pro bono is still the better choice. Here at The Inspired Business, we want you to be able to turn your beautiful creative work into a sustainable living that blesses you along with other people. But we also want you to know that we are passionate about our local churches. I'm talking about me and my team. Some of you know Heidi Marinell, who is my right-hand woman. She and I work very closely together. We are both actively involved in our local churches. It's our delight to serve our home churches. These are the congregations where we attend church with our families. We attend Bible studies and children's ministry each week. So each of us on the Inspired Business team does this for free, and we encourage you to do the same. You know, unless you're actually on staff at your church, of course, but Heidi is an example. Heidi actually has a part-time job working for her church, but she devotes her time to, to serving on the worship arts ministry, volunteering, not paid. I'm involved in my worship arts ministry. I'm involved in my women's ministry. Um, and I am blessed for the opportunity to serve alongside the other volunteers in my church, the leadership in my church, pro bono is still the better choice when it comes to your own church, unless you are actually employed and on staff hourly rate. So it's important to give back. That's the point of that. It's important to give back and to share the gifts that God has given us with the body of Christ through our home churches. So, but now understand that what I'm talking about here is serving in a volunteer capacity at the request of your church leadership or organized ministries as your schedule allows, like everybody else does. I don't expect or recommend that you offer pro bono services to every individual member of your congregation. That's what we were touching on earlier when we talked about the pick your brain requests, right? But when our home churches, the leadership of our home churches, the organized ministries ask us to speak or to lead a Bible study, for example, those of us on, on the inspired business team, we do it gladly. And we do it as part of our commitment to a healthy church body. And I encourage you to do the same. But Here's some encouragement for all of us now as we wrap up. I want you to know that as your sales grow and as your audience grows, so too will your confidence in your ability to engage in commerce. You might still have occasional doubts about whether or not you're doing it right. Are you doing it well? Are you doing it with integrity for Jesus? That's actually healthy because that's the Holy Spirit keeping you in check. Each one of us has the tendency to stray, to fall prey to greed. We talked about that in the very beginning of this episode, right? So stay close to God. Continue making him the true CEO of your business. I like to say, am I really the CEO? I think I'm more like the um, president. God is the chairman of the board. So let's stay close to him in prayer. Ask him to keep your intentions pure or as pure as they can be in a sinful body, right? So I like to park on this verse when it comes to ministry and business. This is Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. From my heart to yours, friends, just keep going. Keep writing, keep speaking, keep on coaching and creating and podcasting and leading and teaching and sharing the love of God through your communication and creative ministry, through your business. Don't lose heart. You are called to serve God and you could do it with integrity, even as it becomes your vocation, especially 
as it becomes your vocation. God bless you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Inspired Business Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, if it spoke to your heart in some way, would you take a screenshot of it and post it to your socials or email it to a friend? The best way that we can help more Christian voices reach the world with their content is by working together to share God-honoring tips and advice, which is what I aim to do here on this podcast. So thank you for spreading the word and for walking alongside me on this inspired business journey. God bless you and your household. I'll see you next time.